Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Tis the season to be jolly, is what the song says, to be jolly. And uh, does anybody ever, I mean, I'm, I don't know if any, you know anyone that is jolly, um, I have I, never met a person in my entire life. It's weird that we sing it. Tis the season to be jolly. Have you met anybody in your life that says, yeah, I'm, I'm a jolly person? Or do you know any jolly people? No. I, if you are a jolly person, you have an appetite for milk and cookies. And so um, it, it, it's just what they say anyway. It, it's a season to be jolly. I don't know about that, but it is definitely the season to shop, Right. Okay, for just a couple of people. And this is the scary part. Many of you are parents. Do they know that they're not getting presents? Because many of you did not join in on that. Are you going to get your kids presents? No. Okay, there we go. All right. So, guys, we're going to pray for our kids this morning as they're disappointed. We're, we're handing out. We'll just, just tell them that you gave all of their presents to other kids that were needy. Okay, so I'm sure they'll take it fine. Um, Anyway, you know, it's the season uh, to shop. It's the season to spend. Remember, it's not a good idea to spend money that you don't have. I only say that because it's really easy at Christmas time to feel the pressure of uh, having to shop and get things for, you, for your kids and people that you care about. And so uh, it's the shop season to uh, shop and spend. It's the season to get a little bit stressed. Uh, not that we're aiming at that, but it just tends to happen. It's the season to get maybe just a little bit anxious. You know, lots of people are coming together. There's lots of crowds. The shops are busy and so it can be the season to stress a little bit and I think that's kind of why I love doing the nativity play that we did today because there is something that's so grounding that just simplifies what Christmas is all about just brings that message back home I mean what we saw today that is the reason why we celebrate Christmas and I think there's probably no more concise verse than that of John three sixteen. it says God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. Christmas is the beginning of hope for humanity. It really is. It's, it's when hope became reality. I mean, up until the Messiah came, up until Jesus came, everyone was hoping that he would come. Uh, at least the people of Israel, they were hoping that he would come. But, you know, Christmas is that hope become reality. It's the inauguration of an era of peace, right? Right? Well, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it is kind of interesting because Christmas is meant to be this time where we celebrate peace, yeah? Well, how peaceful do you feel at Christmas, you know? No, seriously. I mean, how peaceful is Christmas for you? It's kind of weird. It's like the opposite. We get to Christmas time People are busy. People are kind of stressed out. People have got a lot of stuff going. It's weird how we celebrate that peace. I mean, peace really, I mean, just look around the world. You don't have to be an expert to figure out where, where is this peace that we keep talking about? And we get to Christmas time and we're mad busy and we're rushed and we're going out. And we're doing different things. People are getting tired for all kinds of reasons. Some people getting, you know, decoration fatigue. Does anybody get decoration fatigue? Never. There you go. It's your grace. It's your grace. You know, uh, it, it's kind of weird. Like, it's, yeah, does anybody know anyone in their life that is just very serious about their decorating? Does anybody have anyone in their life that won't let someone else decorate the tree? 
Okay, some of you are honest and some of you are not being honest. That's okay. Uh, but uh, I, I know in our house, <laughs> you know, Pastor Sarah, she cares about a good tree. She wants to have a good tree. So we went through a season where she had one tree for the adults and one tree for the kids to do whatever they wanted to do, you know. And because when you do a tree, you do it right. Um, you know, so, so that's how we celebrate Christmas, by getting busy and decorating stuff. And the other thing we do, we sing carols. Uh, I, I, I love singing the, the carols. I remember even growing up as a kid, one of my favorite carols, the one that um, just sticks out to me, mainly because I remember singing it. Like, actually, I remember standing on stage and singing it as a kid is this carol, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know it, yeah? So you remember the words? How does it go? It goes, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king. What's the next part? Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Somebody's saying the wrong words in there. I don't know. You know, peace on earth. We keep coming back to this thing called peace. You know, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That God and sinners part, when, it sings, when we sing about reconciliation, it's about relationships. And that's really what that peace is meant to be about. It's about that relationship. It's about the relationship that we have with God. It's, it's where God bridged the gap by sending Jesus to be our Savior. And, and I don't know if you understand this, but whenever we talk about reconciliation, we do talk about relationships. And you might not be aware, but the relationship between God and man was fractured. It was fractured since Adam and Eve took the apple in the garden and it needed to be reconciled. There needed to be some way to restore this relationship. I don't know if you know this, but the way that God does relationship with people, He does it through something called covenant. And a covenant is like a promise, only really significant and far more meaningful. And in any covenant agreement, there's always a superior and an inferior. The superior will set the terms and conditions of a covenant agreement. The inferior can agree or disagree, but they don't get to change it. So the way that would work with people is God would say, this is how we're going to do relationship. You can agree to that or you can disagree, but this is the way it's going to be. And so what we did is we entered into that agreement as the human race. The problem was, even though God always held up his end of that agreement, he, he always held it up, our, our humanity, our, our, our people, the people that represented us, they never could. And so for many, many uh, centuries, God would create a new covenant and we would break that one and a new one and we would break that one. And it seemed to be uh, self-evident that even though God always held His end of the bargain, we could never really do it. And so one of the things that God did is He said, you guys are really having a lot of trouble uh, managing your end of this bargain. So how about I do this? Um, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. It's so significant that, you know, the Testament... The Bible is divided into two sections. The New Testament is that new agreement that God made with people. And since we were having so much trouble representing ourselves, this is what he did. He said, I'm going to represent myself in this agreement. And then I'm going to send Jesus who will become flesh and blood. He'll become human and he will represent your side of the agreement. We'll put this together for you and then we will give it to you as a gift. And that is the gospel. That's what it's all about. God sending Jesus to do something that we could never do for ourselves and giving it to us. And that is why the gospel is probably the most beautiful message that you've ever heard. So when we talk about there being peace and peace on earth, 
Peace doesn't make sense when we look for it horizontally because it's vertical. It's a peace between us and between God. And this restoration is so powerful that God not only has restored that relationship, but He literally adopts us into His family. Did you know that the word church is not meant to mean building, but it's meant to be family? Like we're meant to be part of God's family. I think that's why we are called brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's why God is our Father who is in heaven, that we're meant to be family. And so God would love us and forgive us and restore relationships so much that He would invite us into our family. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever had an argument with somebody and then you've fixed that, that, that argument. You, you didn't adopt them after though, did you? No, you didn't, you didn't restore that relationship and then say, you know what, you're part of my family. Let's do this, you know. Um, it, it's a strange thing that God does, but I think it's a beautiful thing. So how do we become family with God? Well, the Scriptures have something to say about it. And in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, if you receive him, and it's talking, he's talking about Jesus. If you receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. You got to receive him, believe in his name, and he gives you the right to become children of God. I think that's beautiful. Seriously. How beautiful is that? And I wish that everyone had this, but they don't. Like, yikes, they don't have it. Do you remember the carol that we were just singing? Hark the herald angels sing. It's a verse. It comes to us actually out of the scriptures, and I want to read it to you. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the peace isn't necessarily amongst us to each other, but it's amongst us with Him. Does that make sense? So peace among us with Him, and then He's pleased with us. So if I, or at least with those who are pleased. So this is a pretty simple scripture. If you please God, you get peace, and then He adopts you into His family. That's nice, right? So all you got to do is please Him. So the question is really, how do we please God? That's a great question. I remember when I was uh, growing up and especially, you know, when I was younger, I went to church and I understood some of the simplicity of the gospel, but maybe I forgot some parts along the way. I remember being a, a teenager and even into my early 20s, thinking about my relationship with God. And the way that I thought about that relationship was that if I was good, then I would get good from God. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so if you be good, you get good. So you just have to be really, really good, like all of the time. Of course, that scale or that system is not always the greatest system because then the reverse also has to be true, right? So, so, so it works really well while you're pleasing Him, while you're being really good. But if good gets good, then bad gets bad. And I started to think about that and I thought, well, that could be a problem for me. And because if I'm bad, then that just must mean that God is really mad. And this was not written by Dr. Zeus, this message. He didn't write, but it just, it rhymes and it makes sense. <laughs> if you're good, you get good. If you're bad, 
He's got to be mad, right? He's mad with you. Does it, I don't know if there's anybody that thinks about their relationship with God like that, where he is just a little bit irritated by you because you are never really quite good enough for him. I mean, it made sense to me. I thought about it a lot. It made sense to me that God must always be at least mildly irritated with me because I had this revelation that I wasn't really that good. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would do good things. And the problem is I would just try to weigh up my good things and hope that they outweighed the bad things. And it's kind of hard to know, isn't it? You know, you think about the span of your life and how it works. And I didn't realize the way that I was thinking about God was how every other religion talks about their relationship with God. Did you know that? Every other faith on planet earth, every other religion on planet earth works that way where you get close to God depending on how good you are. And that's how every other religion does it except for Christianity. Seriously, it's the only faith that works the opposite of that. And this is what makes faith in Jesus so different. So what are we hoping for if we're doing it like everyone else? We're good. We're trying to be good. We hope that our good stuff outweighs the bad stuff. So at the end of our life, God might actually be pleased with us because He's done the math and He added up all the good things and it was just enough to tip the scales so that He would be pleased with you. Really? Wow, it's pretty serious. Is this how we think it works with God? I mean, when we get to the end of our lives, are we really going to roll the dice on this? And, and, and what, there's, there's no security? That we're not really sure. Like we're going to go to heaven and, and meet God and we, we're going to find out in that moment whether we really did enough good things. Wow, that's a pretty serious thing to bet your eternity on. I think it's really serious. So, so let's just figure out what makes God pleased. And once we know what that is, then we can just do it. All right. So here's what makes God pleased. Perfection. Awesome. All right. Oh, no. No, not okay. Why? Well, because you're not perfect. We know. We asked your wife. She told us all about it. We already know. Actually, not just for the husbands in the room. We are all in this together. The, the reality is none of us are perfect. So what are the rest of us going to do? How are we going to figure this out? See, the, the problem, if we're not perfect, is, is this issue that we call sin. And, and sin is not just this morally heinous things that we do. It's just left of center. It's making a mistake. You know, we, we make mistakes all the time. Everyone in this room knows that they're not perfect. Well, that, that margin of error, that fraction of error is called sin. And that's a really big problem. The, one of the problems that sin has is the effect that it has between us and God. It's the distance. It's the gap it puts in relationship between us and God. In fact, if you have mistakes in your life, if you've made mistakes in your life, if you have sin, you're actually found to be what the Scriptures say. And this is the truth. You're in opposition to God. It's like shock. And I think eternity is far too long for us to just hope that we've done enough to make sure that God is pleased with us. I tell you, one person who had great confirmation 
on earth before they went to heaven was Jesus. Do you remember at his baptism? Do you remember what God said? There was a voice that came from heaven and he said, this is my son. That makes him family, right? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He's pleased with Jesus. You reckon Jesus had that peace? Yeah. He had peace with God. Why? Because he was perfect. Awesome. So what are the rest of us going to do? Like, great for him. What are the rest of us going to do? Man. I got my kids some credit cards. It's a strange transition, I know. Go with me. I got my kids some credit cards. I know it seems a little risky. It's because it is. But... (laughs) But I just figured like our kids are going to grow up in a world where they don't, they're not going to use cash. Um, even now, like I don't have cash. When someone gives me coins, I don't even have a wallet. I don't know what to do with it, you know. I guess I could just put it in my pocket. Um, actually, my kids take it. But, but you know, we don't, we don't use cash. So I thought, look, what would be better is if we teach them how to use, you know, digital currency because that's how things really work now. And so you can get this, these kids' credit cards and attached to them is a savings account and you can transfer money from the savings account into the credit card. Anyway, it works pretty well. And one of the things that, that you, how you can make this work is that you can create jobs that attach to their credit card. How cool is this? Here's the good part. You monetize the jobs. Okay, so... You know, if they do all their chores and I tick that the job has done, then the money can go into their accounts. You see how well this works. Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, because you're not my kids. Because what happens is, is if they haven't done the jobs, then they don't get the money, which works for me. Okay. So, so this is the arrangement. This is the agreement. I am up, upholding my end of the bargain. I will, I will pay you the money if you're able to do your end of the bargain. Now, we are not in a covenant agreement because that would be pretty serious, all right? But, but this is how my agreement works with my kids. And it, and it doesn't always work because they don't always do the jobs that they're supposed to do, right? So let me just pitch something at you and I'll see if you think it's a good idea. What if... We get to the end of the week and they haven't done any of their jobs. So I don't have to pay them. And it seems like a good deal for me. But what if what I do is I do all of their jobs for them and then I pay them pocket money? Does that seem like a good idea? No, all the smart parents are going, don't do it, don't do it. You're building a rod for your back. You're like, this is the word, don't do it. Make sure that they do their jobs. I know it doesn't seem like a good deal, but that is actually the deal that God did with us. He upheld his end of the bargain. We could never uphold ours. So what did he do? Well, he came and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And then he gave it to us as a gift. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that's what the gospel is. That's what the gospel is all about. It's a gift. It's an exchange. We would transfer to Him our brokenness, our mistakes, our sinfulness. 
And in place of that, He would do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, which is what? To live the perfect life that God was always looking for. And then He gave it to us as a gift. That's grace. That's grace. Do you know what we call that exchange? We call it justification. And justification is a beautiful word when you understand its meaning. And I'm going to give you a real simple way to understand what justification is. I mean, it's pretty deep, but we're going to keep it simple today. And if you were writing down something or you were taking messages this morning, you might want to write this down or maybe you'll just remember it because it's really easy to remember. Here's what justification is all about. Justification. Just as if I never sinned. Just as if I always obeyed. That's what it is. That's what Jesus did for us. He reconciled our relationship in such a way that it was just as if we never sinned. Just as if we always obeyed. Just as if there was never any mistakes. Just as if there was never any disagreement between us. Just as if the relationship we had with God was always intact and it was always perfect. Justification. See, God is not willing to ignore your sins, but He is willing to pay for them. Isn't that beautiful? And when He does, it positions you. For what? He positions you for forgiveness. He positions you for future grace. He positions you to pour His Spirit into your life. He positions you for favour with Him. You're in a permanent position of favour with God because of that justification. You're in a permanent position of favour with God because of everything that He did for you. And what it positions you for is the most outrageous love that you could only have ever hoped for. A love that will transform you from the inside out. A love that will never leave you. A love that will never forsake you. Can I tell you about this love? 1 John chapter 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I know I'm using a few big words today, but they're the most beautiful words that you've ever heard. The, the word propitiation means a sacrifice that turns wrath into favour. That's what it means. See, if we're going to make mistakes in life and God is just, then there has to be some kind of penalty to be paid. I mean, if, it's, if God is not just, what could you expect when you meet Him? Right? If God isn't just, so He's got to be just. And He found a way to not only be just, but be full of grace at the same time. In His just character, he made Jesus pay the penalty for all of our sins so that He could, through Jesus, pour grace into our life. So the wrath that was falling on us became favour in our life because of what? Because of Him. You wanna know how to please God? 
You want to have a great relationship with Him based on how you can please Him? Don't do that. It won't work. We've already figured this out. Listen, it took people thousands of years to figure out that we're never going to completely please Him based on how good we can be. Because if it's all about how good you can be, you realize one day that you're not going to be that good and you can't be that good all of the time. So what do we have? We have something different with God. We have something called grace. And we have it through faith in Jesus. He is the one that pleased God. And so when Jesus gives us His perfect life in place of our sinful one, God looks on us and is pleased. And here's the best part. It's got nothing to do with any of us and everything to do with Him. You know what pleases God? Jesus. And we have a relationship with God through Jesus. And your, your hope for eternity your hope for eternal life, your hope to actually please God comes exclusively through Jesus because He is the only one who has ever done something like this for you. No other faith on planet Earth has a God who would do this for them. No one's ever done this. That's why we say faith or salvation comes through Christ exclusively because He's the only one that has ever done this. He's the only one that has ever loved you this much. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to pray. I want to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is asking Jesus to be this person in your life, to be the person that restores that relationship, that takes the penalty for your sins and means that you get to move on to eternal life with Jesus. So can we do that for a minute? Can we close our eyes this morning? Would you here right now in this room, well, maybe you're watching online today, you're just tuning in. I'm so glad that you can tune in today. But we're gonna all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank You that You love me, that You died on the cross for my sins. I receive You today as my Saviour. I want to be part of your family. I choose to follow you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.